0: Good night. Looks like Spotify has uh, taken over Anchor. Anyway, welcome to my show, Traveling Talent Ministries. This is your host, Terry J. Yeah, it's been a while. I noticed that um, last time I was on here was in February uh, of this year. So I did do one this year. I come on here sporadically um, to talk which I probably need to do more of um, to get things out, to let it go, put it out in the air, put it out in the atmosphere. My dad always said it's better out than in. He was a drug and alcohol addiction counselor, TV host, music producer, all that. He wrote books and everything. <sighs> um, his shoes not hard to feel. I just hate to see so much wasted talent because now my dad is gone and four of my sisters are up there with him. My stepbrother, all of them young, and my son now who's uh, transitioned March 2022, which was the bittersweet year of my life. I'm still dealing with it, y'all. I'm still... I'm, I'm hanging on, but some days I don't feel like it. I'm going through it right now. Um, In this particular last few weeks, I've been going through it. I'm probably only gonna be on here for a minute, but I'm looking to expand my show. I'm looking to, you know, gain audience and supporters and, You know I've been praying you know sometimes it's just like I want to do these things but I just can't seem to get started or if I started I don't do it consistently so I decided to do it when I feel it and I think that's the best time because that's the best work that you give out when you pull from your heart or you pour into your ministry when you're trying to uh, find your purpose and That's what I've been struggling with. I'm outside at work, so you might hear some other stuff. Um, I do security. Well, y'all already know. Well, anyway, whoever listened, if y'all ever heard it. Let me turn this up. Um, If you ever struggled with, you know, finding your purpose, wanting to know what it is that's out here in life for you, um, I'm struggling with that right now. I'm still struggling with that, y'all. Even though I'm doing good, God is blessing me. Like I said, it's been a bittersweet year and some change now since my son has been gone, but his death really impacted my life. It really did. And I'm trying to find my purpose. I'm trying to find my passion and what makes me happy and my goals and dreams and stuff like that. Y'all, I'm still looking and i'm trying to find it but sometimes i have a hard time a hard time with you know where do i go what do i do type of thing you know uh i know i can get started i mean i know how to i I know how to do so much and i'm so thankful to god that you know You know, my health or anything is not bad, whereas, though, I can't start my purpose. And forgive me if I skip, because sometimes I skip subjects very secondly. Like, (laughs) I could be talking about one thing this minute and then something else the next minute. I'm about to get off work. I'm actually outside doing this and just waiting for my uh, relief, which comes. She usually comes around 1030, 1045. But, um, yeah, I've been struggling with um, my purpose. You know, I've been asking God, God, what did you, what am I here for? What did you put me here for? What am I to do? What, you know, I I want my life to mean something before I die. I don't want to go out like uh, the guy on the movie said, um, Bronx Tale, wasted talent. I just really feel like a lot of my family up in heaven that's a whole lot of talent up there wasted and I don't want to waste it but sometimes I feel like I don't have the strength to do it like you know I'm 54 you know it could be a lot worse but it's not um what is it going to take for me to get started every time I think about giving up I, I, I pray and, you know, somehow or another, God seems to bring me back up and, and comfort me. But I still struggle. I, I still struggle for on a day-to-day basis sometimes trying to figure out my purpose. What am I here for? What do you want me to do, God? Who do you want me to help? And the girl is coming now, so I can go ahead and call my lift now. So I'm gonna um, end because it's five minutes and I wanna get the heck out of here. I'm getting ready to come back though. Trust me, I'm going to finish this. I don't, that's another thing that I've been working on that's one thing I've achieved since I started this. Whatever I start doing, I'm gonna finish it. Even if it might get hard or you know inconsistent or anything try to distract me, I don't let nothing distract me. But right now I'm ready to get the heck out of here so I'll be right back. This thing says stop, but I'm going to come back and finish my segment. This is Traveling Talent Ministries, your host Terry J. And I will be back for episode two. Thanks for listening. Good night. This is Terry J. Or should I say Traveling Talent Ministries presents Terry J, uh, your host. I didn't come back last night. I don't know why I didn't come back last night. Um, Most time that I get to talk is when I'm at work. Because like I said, I do security. So sometimes it can get uh, a little boring. But I do have some things that I need to get off of my chest. Because I'm still really, I'm really, really still hurting and um, coping. My son's uh, daughter, she's now four years old. She was two when he passed. And his son was four months when he passed he's getting ready now be two years old in november um i'm still just i'm still just going i'm still going through this y'all i'm still going through this and um the best therapy for me is um because my dad was an alcoholic drug um counselor tv radio internet show host producer musician he could sing all that I know I said that in the last segment, but he did all of those things out of everything that he'd been through in life, and he died trying to become a millionaire. He did have six daughters and, like, 25 grandchildren and a few great-grandchildren. Um, he has, because none of them are—four are, um, of his daughters out of the six that he had are up there with him now. Um, and the only one left is me and my sister, Sherry, and she's, like, almost two years younger than me. Um, I still got. I still. I talk to spiritual advisors. I don't pay anybody to talk. Um, I, I got you know therapists I can talk to at my uh, for my insurance, but you know she is act like you know, oh she ain't really talking about nothing. She's talking about she grieving for her son or, you know, cause um I never got back and she never got back in touch with me as far as you know, continuing for me talking and getting it out. So, um, every Sunday I talk to a spiritual advisor and I ask her questions and things like that. And mostly, most of the time it is about my son. And sometimes it's been about my job, people on my job. It's, um, sometimes been about people in my family, my mother, my sister, my daughter, stuff like that. But mostly, um, I'm just still trying to get answers uh, about my son cuz I wish so much that it was just something more that I could do to help him, you know. And then I wonder sometimes I ask myself a lot of questions like what did I do wrong as a mother? And uh you know, uh could I have encouraged him more, you know, when he was um when he was dying. Um my spiritual advisor said he did hang around the body for a while, I guess, before he actually left to go, you know, meet judgment, you know, to see if he can be let into heaven, and I'm just, it's, it's hard. It's, it's, it's hard, and only people that have lost children can understand how I feel right now. My mother can understand because my sister is one of the ones that's up in heaven with my dad, and she was my younger sister that, her that my dad and my mom had when they were married. Um, This is hard. I wouldn't wish this on nobody because there's so much that I want to know. How's it feel to be dead? You know, I know I'm going to find out one day, you know, but being so close, he's my son. I want to know. He's come to me a lot in my dreams, and it's just a whole lot of questions I ask myself you know, which is probably, is too late now, you know. You know, could I have told him why he was on the bed? Like, no, fight, fight, fight. Your kids need you. I just, everything, I just go over everything in my head. Everything was going right for us, the procedures in the hospital, but it's like his brain would go left. The procedure work, I hate it so much. Every time that phone rang and I seen that 202714 number, I hated it. Every time I seen that, I hated I didn't want to answer it. It got to the point where I just tell my daughter and his girlfriend, y'all talk to them. You know, and just give me information or record a conversation or something. But every time I did talk to them because they had to talk to me. and so that's another thing that's uh, tragic. Because they have to talk to me because his father is dead too, his father died in two thousand ten. Somebody shot him in the face because he kept trying to take people for bad, you know, scamming people, you know, just you know giving them and the, selling them stuff that wasn't real and all that just crazy stuff, so his father was dead, so they had to talk to me. They couldn't talk to nobody but me for real because I was the only one that could receive his information. I was the only one that can authorize things to be done, you know, and um, before, you know, they did the last count to see how his brain cells were going, you know, it it went through like a metaphor, brain start leaking matter and and things like that, and you know, it it was a few times where they kept trying to tell me to go ahead and let go, but I just didn't want to. I didn't want to. I was reaching out because I do go to church and all that kind of stuff and I trust and believe in God and I prayed and I was asking for miracles and everything and it just made me question everything about the whole time that he was in the hospital. From the time I got the call, February the 24th, or the 25th, I was at work at night doing overnights from 10 to 6 in the morning. I didn't know that he wasn't going to make it. And every time I think about that, I think about the last time he walked out of my door And what he had on because we had just started getting our relationship together and talking and he's complaining to me about his girlfriend and stuff because he really wasn't happy with her behavior because she was on drugs too. And I just wished I would have hugged him. I didn't hug him. And I wish I would have hugged him. Because we you know, start doing that and saying I love you and stuff and calling me and talking to me about problems. He you know? would we'll be calling me sometimes to get money for whatever it is that he liked to do his drug choice of addiction. You know, he didn't do no hard drugs. And that's the only thing. That's another thing that hurts me. He didn't do no hard drugs. And his girlfriend tried to say she think he was on dope before he died, but he wasn't on no dope. I got his medical records and the only thing that was in his system was something similar to Xanax and some marijuana. That was it. My son was mentally depressed. He let those demons take over. And they mentally, he became mentally depressed. And I just wonder if it's, did I do everything I possibly could to try to get him to stay. And I think about that, and that's what made me cry. That's what makes me emotional. Because I'm still trying to deal with this, and it's not easy. It's hard. This is really, really hard. Me and my son had a good relationship. I was doing everything in my power to try to get him away from that girl. Everything I told him he could come and stay on my house when I ain't home sometimes. I don't know why I wanna leave and I ask myself, is you trying to kill yourself? I mean, because your grandfather was alcohol and drug addiction counselor for years and you knew everything it was to know about drugs and what they can do to you. That's another question I ask myself. And then sometimes I get mad. and see like he disappointed me. I get mad. And then sometimes, like, man, why wasn't he strong enough to want to get his life together and raise his kids? They made him so happy. It's the only time he would smile, really. And then i try to get up in his head and be like, what was he thinking in his head? What was going on in his head? What was he thinking? He had family that would help him. You know how it is. Males don't really do too much. We do all the administrative work and stuff, far to find them jobs and sending it to them. And you know, men are not really computer savvy. I mean, we did. I, I mean, trust me. I went everywhere. I went from A to Z in my head, trying to figure out what I did wrong, or did I raise him as a mother or when I hit him in the head one time? When he talked back to me, did that do something to his brain? I mean, trust me, I went over everything I did. What God told me to do, I didn't spare the rod. I whooped his butt when he needed it. And when he became a teenager, the only time I think I hit him something that that time that I did hit him. And I just everything was running through my brain because the girl was trying to tell me what happened that night, and she was saying that he, and the, you know, she. He gave her some money to go get what he thought, I don't know what he was trying to get. I just know that whatever it was, it wasn't what he thought it was, and he ingested it wrong, and it took him out. She went and got it for him. He never went and got no drugs from her. He was frustrated because she was sometimes doing the drugs while she was pregnant with his kids. And I wonder why she would do something like that he probably would have found a way to go get him anyway even if she would have said no but there's no way I would have did that for him she said sometimes he would cry for it you know it's like he was trying to numb himself to those demons talking in his head he had an episode one time when I was over there he was in the bathroom yelling and sounded real demonic and hollering and yelling and I don't know if it was because he didn't ingest the drug yet or because he needed it, and or this is what happens after. I did hear from a lot of addicts that demons do be fucking with you while you, you know, doing that type of drugs or whatever. He didn't really do nothing. I mean, he's tried some things, like, you know, I'm sure I wouldn't be surprised if my son ain't tried every damn thing. But he wasn't, he wasn't no pharmaceutical person. And, and what happened was, He hurt his leg, and he went to the hospital, and I know all this because I, you know, I get all his mail from the hospitals and everything now, and he hurt his leg, and Lord have mercy, they gave my child some Percocets. He didn't take no drugs like that. He didn't take, only thing he did was smoke weed and cigarette every now and then, drink every now and then. I believe he tried some lean or something, and like I said, God knows, I don't know, he might have tried some other stuff. And um, he hurt his leg and started taking Percocets and, and that was uh, before his daughter was even conceived and that was where his life took a turn, where he would get stressed out so much to the point, you know, where he was taking those things to try to numb or to feel something or to feel good or feel happy. He wasn't happy with the girl he was with in the relationship He's the children's mother. He wasn't happy with her. She was just a whore, but, you know, I believe she's a smart girl. But when I start talking to her sometimes, I notice that don't judge a book by its cover. You know, the way a person lives and the things that they say out of their mouth, that's who they are. Sometimes I do ask her, why? I ain't know why. Her, you could have had a much better woman that had a job that could help you get your life together. And trust me, I've asked all the questions. Anyway, she went and got it for him, and He told her to get 10. She only was able to get nine. I don't think he adjusted it in the house. She tried to say that he adjusted, just, adjusted it in the house, in the bathroom somewhere, and she heard a big thump. And what I believe happened was they were arguing because he had found out, I believe he had found out she was cheating, because the first dream he had after he died, when he came to me, was he said, what do you do to somebody who cheats on you? So I believe there was an argument that night or morning, in the middle of the morning or something, and she must have told him to get out. I'm going back over the report that the police gave that I got from the hospital he was in because I went and picked up his medical records from the first hospital he was in after the police, the Maryland, the D.C. police, you know, called the ambulance to have him checked out. They said they found him out on the street erratic. Someone had seen him ingested because he had powder in his right nose. This was the Benzo, um, Xanax. It was in the family of that and I, I don't know if that's an antidepressant or if that's a, I don't know what that was. But um, somebody saw him ingested it, and I guess after that he started acting erratic, being mad about whatever they was arguing about. She tried to say he broke one of the mirrors that was hanging on the wall with his head because he was bumping into stuff and all this kind of stuff. And you know, um, he was couldn't see right. Uh, cause he was standing right in the room with his daughter and saying, where's my daughter? And he was standing right there and he couldn't see her. She said he had yearned on himself a little bit and, you know, then, but when he passed out, he passed out a couple of times too before that and all stuff like that. He's just going through the motions, I guess, of this stuff, um, that he had just ingested. I don't know if he ingested any in the house. I wasn't there. I'm just going over my head what I do know, because I've been stayed over the apartment before several times, and just imagining him walking around and you know acting bumping into stuff and bloody and bloody he fe- I-, I believe he fell in the bathroom because um she said she had a big thump, and this is what leads me to his brain started bleeding, there was a brain shift from the right side to the left side of the brain. <laughs> And she tried to say that when his eyes rolled back in his head, that's when she called the emergency ambulance. Um, And he walked out of there with the emergency ambulance. Now, there's no way and nobody that I've known in any time that I've ever seen emergency ambulance called where the ambulance let you walk out of there. She lied because that's not what the police records said. The police record said that they found him out on the street acting erratic. He told me, he sh- I asked him one time, prayed and asked that he showed me how to act because, of course, I looked up the word, and he showed me, and it was like you walking and just don't know where to go don't know what to do type thing, and he showed me. When he came out to be a face, the face was like him, and then it turned demonic, it was just like, the person turned into another person it was another person but he showed me because I know I remember saying sit down Delano or be still Delano you know I guess he you know, couldn't be still and he was acting erratic he probably was out there talking to himself mad about what they were arguing about and they called the ambulance she didn't call no ambulance Delano's sister and step sister don't like her to this day Boy, they want to burn her up so bad it's not even funny But she didn't call the ambulance. The police called the ambulance to have him checked out. And I just want to know who was with him when he ingested. She said she bought the stuff from some lady. She don't see her around no more. Maybe somebody killed her or maybe that happened to somebody else too. And she got, something may have happened to her. And, um, and that was uh, when the ambulance were called. She tried to say that when she saw his eyes roll the back in his head. And what he was doing at that time, if I'm serving me correctly, because um, I've seen a young man doing it on the bus, is called rolling. He was rolling, I guess, from the drug, that maybe he ingested some of the bathroom, maybe the organ, and then he, she told me to get out, and he made that left out, because he was driving at the time. He had two cars at the time, actually. Um, and, you know, I think, I think he may have took something when he first, you know, and then he walked out of there, but he didn't walk out of there with the hammer people. He lied. He walked out of there cause they probably was arguing. She probably said, but you can get out. No, whatever, you know, I don't know. But that's what I get in my spirit. Every time I see him, I even still remember what he had on. And I asked her, is that what she had on? I just guessed and she said, yeah. And that's where things uh, took a turn for the worse. He was letting those demons in his head get the best of him about what was going on. You don't really know what's going on in people's minds until you talk to them or get them to talk to you. And I always look at my son and I just look at him now and be like, what was going on in your mind, son, that you felt like you couldn't talk to nobody? This is a family of communication. We talk. Your grandfather, my father was a I call him drug counselor. You knew all about this stuff. Why? Why did you feel like you didn't have no way out? when I was sitting up there doing everything I could to try to get him away from this girl because he kept complaining about her. Oh. So much I want to know that I know God not going to let me know the answers to, and I ain't going to be able to get him probably out of lane until we meet in heaven again. Thank God he made it to heaven. But no one can begin to understand how it feels to lose a child. I was expecting him to bury me. Not me, bury him. That's what happened with his brain. It was like the procedures would go okay. But then something would go left with him, as far as his brain. They would call me, well, this procedure went okay. And you think you're getting happy. And the next thing you know, but... This, the procedure went break, but this, and it just made me think, did I tell him to fight? Did he want to fight? I think he was fighting. I believe that Delano died the first week in March, one of them days from the first to the seventh, he died. They pronounced him dead, March the 16th, 2022, but that's because they took a brain matter test to see how much blood was getting to his brain and not very much not very much getting to his his head started swelling his eyes pupillated or whatever you call that you know how they you know when you go through that change when you're dying and your eyes just you're not really seeing your eyes may be open but you're not You can't see nothing. I did everything I could to try to ask God, to please give him another chance. He gave it. I know a lot of chances and stupid things he did. He probably could have been killed, but he didn't give him another chance. Sometimes we feel like as hard-headed as Delano was, he probably wouldn't have got himself together, no way, if God did give him another chance, you know. we, You know, that's just because of what we know about him. He wasn't no bad person. This world, he was too much for this world. The spiritual advice said the world was too much for him, but He was too much for this world. My son wasn't no fighter. He wasn't no person. He wasn't no gangster type or fighter. He he didn't like fighting. Only time he fought when he was a baby, he ain't know no better. Other than that, he ain't like fighting. My my son was not a a person of violence or confusion. He believed in communication because that's the way we were raised. Pray and communicate, talk, and work it out. Not fight. Fighting doesn't gain anything. So a lot of people took advantage of him. A lot of his friends took advantage of him because they probably say, oh, man, go ahead, punk. He ain't going to do nothing. He ain't going to get mad, but he ain't going to do nothing. You can run over him or you can, you know, say you're going to do this and don't do it or, you know, da da, blah, 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 and stuff like that, you know. And, and that, thinking about all of that that he was dealing with as far as his friends trying to take advantage of him sometimes, you know, sometimes he might have been high and they might have took his stuff up off of him or or money or anything because <laughs> my son was just, he was just a lovable person. He was just, he wasn't about the violence. He wasn't about all that shit. So I can imagine a lot of his male friends taking advantage of him. And then they did a real dirty talking about they going to pay for his funeral and shit like that. And buy him some Gucci because they nobody liked. Where my son wasn't no dresser. He wasn't a dresser. He knew how to keep himself clean and his clothes clean, but he wasn't really no big on, you know, he was big on tennis shoes. He, he liked to have nice tennis shoes and stuff like that. But he also, you know, he liked Gucci and, you know, he did like that stuff, but, you know, he didn't really, you know, he really splurged on being, you know, no fancy dresser or nothing like that. And my son is handsome. You know, he got nice hair, he's tall, 6'2", two. he six two. He wasn't big on dressing and stuff like that. So a lot of his friends, I believe, they, they took advantage of him. And all this stuff is going on. I'm saying all that to say that all this stuff was going on in his head. All of this, people taking advantage of him, you know, people thinking, you know, he ain't going to do nothing, you can, you know, The girl getting on his nerves about taking care of his kids and the fact that he doing drugs and he don't feel like working because he would have jobs. My son was very crafty, very crafty when I tell you that boy can fix anything. Not meaning he's been doing that since he was a little boy, since he was 10 years old, fixing bikes, motorcycles. And he got up to cars and you know, he liked dirt bikes. He liked remote control cars. And then as he got older, it felt like he was getting more defensive. He started, he liked guns too. But that kind of ran in our family because my daddy was like that. All of us was kind of like that shit. Hell, he took me to the gun range after I got out of, um, I went to jail for assaulting my husband and shit. He t- took me to the gun range next week after that, after I got out. So the guns was just not a thing. We just needed to know how to use them. That's the stuff, type of stuff that he, like and he just liked to do. My son just wasn't no people, wasn't no personal violence. And I just ask myself all the time, and I've been going through it lately. Lately, these last few weeks, I was just crying over my sister who been dead since 2015, still crying over her. And now here, my son come up, and now it's him. And then, that's insult to injury, my youngest sister. Who could I would say would be the healthiest person I know because she ain't never liked meat. Only thing she did eat was seafood, but she had a narcissist mother. Her mother was a narcissist and things that she'd done to her when she was young, she didn't know. I mean, my sister had high school diploma, college degree. She could sing her ass off. She had many talents. She had a couple of businesses going on and everything. She ate right, all that. And then uh, come to find out, 2021 in December, she found out she has aggressive stage four cancer. So Delano dies in in, in March, and two months later, she died of cancer. In 2022, she died on her husband's birthday. May the 16th, she died on his birthday. I don't know if that was, you know to spite him, or I don't know if it was to spite her mother, because her mother was a narcissist, and I really don't know the full meaning of that, but she was just now getting help for that, you know, she was going, you know, doing therapy and talking, and then she stopped talking to her mother for a while, because she just thought about all the stuff that her mother used to do to her and stuff, and you know, and my sister could sing her heart out, I mean, she was... As far as I'm concerned, she could sing. I mean if you you can sing opera, you can sing. And I don't give a damn you know who you are. She she could sing. She had a husband and she had five kids. The youngest baby was like maybe five when she died in twenty twenty two. And I wonder why she gave up. And then that just makes me think all oh, that wasted talent up there in heaven. All of them died and didn't do much with their lives. I don't wanna die like that. I wanna at least be able to have made a difference in somebody's life. And I'm starting with my grandchildren. Cause trust me, when he was in the hospital and I said, what would make you feel better? This is me asking myself, what would make you feel better? I said, what would make me feel better is that if my son died, I'm dying too. I want to die too. Then I thought about it and my spirit son led me and said, no, mommy, you can't die. I need you to help take care of my kids. And that wouldn't be fair to fear. His sister, my daughter she's 33 now we'll get ready to be 33 in a few days so it's hard sometimes to hold on i don't have any health issues but just losing something that you help bring into this world man i tell you sometimes you feel like you don't want to go on because it's like for what all this calamity going on in this world anyway Sometimes and then like I said, sometimes I I feel glad that my son got away from this shit. But then that's what led me to my podcast, traveling talent ministries where we travel and and use our talents along the way and, and 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 since that happened to my son it's like I wanna address alcohol and drugs and stuff now and abuse of every form. You know, people get abused mentally, spiritually, emotionally, physically, financially, rape all this kind of stuff. People in their family got drugs. They got people around them that use drugs. You know, all of this has something to do with your mental health. So when I see young people out on the subway strung out or talking to themselves or arguing on the phone like nobody else is around them. And they're yelling and hollering and screaming at the other person on the other end and, you know, They're acting depressed. Like, man, I'm so tired of this. You know, it just makes me think about what would my son have been like if he would have stayed on drugs. And none of that would have happened to him. But what would he have been like out here? Would he have been laying up on somebody's step in the subway or, you know, sleeping on the train or getting on, talking to himself? or You know, and that's the only thing sometimes that makes me, you know, I feel a little better about him not being here. Because he probably was starting to talk to himself. I do have a video of him um one time and he didn't know that I was recording him and he was just finished using his little drugs and uh, he was talking to himself and scratching. That was at Percocet's I guess, you know, they I know how Percocets make you feel, so he probably was feeling real good, but you know how it makes you act down like you're you're down like you some tell you moving slow you feel good but you know it's just like it's, it's just something that makes you go to sleep so i don't you know you know i know how i feel because i've taken it before but i've taken it um uh, for legitimate reasons because i'm a breast cancer survivor myself it was a dummy cancer that didn't know how to spread the sub stage zero and i've just been relieved of that 2018 I only had to have radiation. I didn't have to have no chemotherapy. Um, and when I look at that video of him acting like that, and I could remember some of the things that he was saying. Like, you know, I'm just trying to take care of my daughter. You know, I'm just trying to make sure she's straight. You know, I was just talking to stuff. and he turned around, and he looked at me and saw me sitting there, butt hanging halfway out his pants. He's scratching like he got some type of disease or something. He scratching, he saw me, look, he just looked at me and just kept on, you know, kept on scratching and, you know, talking slow and, you know, going into the closet, getting whatever he was going in there to get. And um, I had to talk with Jennifer, that's her name. I was like, you know, you, if you love him, you want you to help him. I can't say you, 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 you love a person and then you do things to help kill him. How is it that you can say that you love him But you're doing things to help kill them. I don't understand that. But she had her drug choice of addiction as well. Um, She had her problems and her demons that she had to deal with as well. Um, You know, her choice of addiction was PCP. Um, And marijuana. She smoked cigarettes. Um, And... uh, that was, is her choice of addiction and I, I don't know, I just, I don't get it, I don't get it. I just don't understand how you could say you love somebody and and then help them with drugs and go get it for them and I guess she didn't want them to drive her a car because this car may not have been working at the time or something or whatever. I just don't. And I have to talk about it because I don't want the devil to feel like he has any power over me like he's gonna have me you know trying to do things to kill myself you know consciously or unconsciously I, I just I'm stronger than that I have done drugs before I have done crack before And cold turkey stopped. Once I seen myself start having nervous condition and dropping stuff and doing this and that and the other, I just stopped. I smoked PCP before. Once I felt like I was about to kirk out or act stupid or uh, I immediately got me some milk, drunk a whole damn half a gallon and damn, and threw all that shit up and, and said, not no more. I want more out of my life than this. And this is what I asked myself about my son. Did he want more out of life? Or he just felt like he, I got to the point where he got to, too, where he try and try and try things and, and, and ain't nothing working. You just tired of trying. He had got to that point where he was just saying, I'm tired. I'm tired. This is some of the things that he told his aunt, my sister, and we're close. I'm tired. It's pulling me from this way, pulling me from that way. She getting on my nerves. Da-da-da, blah-blah-blah, you know, all his little whatevers, and he said he was tired. He said he was tired. So, the only way that I can try to cope with this and uh, hang on and start teaching God and directing my grandchildren And making a difference in somebody's life is starting with my grandchildren. I'm going to sit down this weekend with them because i got a whole bunch of girls. And we're going to have the talk. I guess y'all know what I mean when I say the talk. Because the twins are 9 years old and Sinai is 12. Getting ready to be 13 in February. So, yes, we got to have the talk. Because uh, hormones are rising. They're on their little... uh <laughs> curious journey you know, as far as boys and things like that and so we're gonna have the talk this weekend, but I had to get on here, and I'm gonna try to get on here as much as I can. I'm not ready to open up to clubhouse and you know start no room and all i'm not I'm just not that I don't know i just that's just not me. I, I, you know, I will get to that point when I get there, but I don't want to. I'm not ready to do that. I don't. I don't like planning things and say, "Oh, come on, come on here every Wednesday and stuff like that," because then I don't do it because I might be doing something else, or I may not feel like doing it or whatever. I would rather do it when I feel comfortable doing it, and for it to get accepted for the way it is because I'm gonna do this my way. One day, one step, one way at a time. And before I leave this earth, I want my goals and dreams to be seen, heard, met, tasted, all of that. I don't want to die and have my talents wasted when I could have made a difference and my grandchildren's lives, cause that's who I'm starting with. I'm starting with them. Cause they'll listen to me. I'm not gonna, uh, I jump out there on faith, I am gonna do that. But since this happened with my son, I've been going through a lot, mentally, spiritually, emotionally. But sometimes I do feel like, I don't feel like this shit Because some ways, sometimes I may feel like I have failed as a mother because I'm like, what could I have done? But God says, you couldn't have done no more than what you did, Terry. You raised him right. He was in Christ and God and church at a young age. He knew about God. He even turned his life over to Christ one time. He was 17. So, I mean, it's not like I wasn't doing the best I could do to be the best mother that I could be. Let me make sure. Let me see what's going on out here. I just heard of something. But, um, I just don't, I just don't wanna rush things. My son was cremated, so I have his ashes with me. I've had so many dreams that he came back to me, need to wake up disappointed and hurt. My heart would never be the same because I lost something that was a part of me. Something that was wrong inside of me. So anybody out there that knows how I feel to lose a child, you know how I feel. So now I've gotten to this thing where I don't want to do nothing now but help. I got to accept the good, the bad, and the ugly that's going to come along with this. Because people are going to be going through withdrawals people got anger issues violent issues mental health issues sexually abuse issues disease issues i mean it's so much calamity in this world right now that the god is just letting the devil have his way and um i do believe like what the comedian said i do believe we're in our last days now i'm just scared and the main thing is i want Me and my family to be together. If this world has to come to an end like that, I want us to be together and all us go together. Because I know we're going to a better place. Y'all believe it or not, the better place is with God. Because what you want and desire may not come true in this lifetime. I've learned that the prize is when you get with God. And the only thing that holds me sometimes is the knowing that my son is having and doing everything he wanted to do. He, he going everywhere he wanted to go. All those people that hurt him, I've had dreams like that. He's, he's showing me dreams of different things that he's been through in his life. He's calling these people out and they are mad with him. I've had that kind of dream. Him, several, as a matter of fact, of him calling people out, that they have wronged him. He even showed me one with uh, something that he had to deal with when he was in jail and it wasn't sexual or nothing, but I don't know, somebody may have crossed him and in the dream he called him out and he was mad at Delano, you know. And then Delano came out of the door because Delano used to be a cook when he, a little bit of time, he was locked up in Virginia, right around the corner of where I work at right now. I could walk over there. But he had called out somebody and uh, they were mad at him, you know, because he had to do it because it was something that he knew how to do well and he didn't want to do it and Delano got him called out on it and he had to do it because Delano knew he knew how to do it. And Delano walked out the kitchen, was on his phone, and he was looking like, don't worry, man, I got this. Because he called himself talking to me about it at first until Delano come out the kitchen, and he suddenly started threatening Delano. I'm going to get you, mad, I'm going to get you as bad as I don't know what, Delano. And Delano ain't even look over there. His way. He just was in his phone. He was like, don't worry, man, I got this. And it just it seems... It's just so amazing how when you have dreams like that, that it seems so real. And that's another thing I want to ask my spiritual advisor. I don't cry when I'm with him in the dream. I remember one dream, I was just standing there looking at him. And he was talking about something and he prepared something to give to me. And I didn't take it because I don't know why I didn't take it. I just stood there and looked at him because I was like, is this another dream where he's going to seem like it's real but it's not? And, because it feels so real, I guess, in my heart. I, I want him back so bad. And I even had a dream like that, too. And he was sitting somewhere, and I was kneeling down, and I was crying. I you know how many times I've cried and prayed for you to come back to me. And I was talking like as if he was back. It's, it's, I was going through it, y'all. I was going through it. I'm serious. I was going through it. I'm still going through it. But I don't never want him to stop me. He always he already told me, I know I left you on That first dream, he kind of was explaining to me, you know, why he left us. He was like, I had to do it, man. I had to go. I had to leave like that. I had to, you know, I had to go, man. I had to shake back. He was talking to my dad. My dad said, where you been, man? Where you been all this time? In my head, I'm looking, at with my arms folded, my robe on, I'm looking at him coming through the window. His dreams are be crazy sometimes because it was snowing outside, and I was talking to the girls or something about being able to meet this world on your own terms, and I started holding the broom, and I was starting like I was choking a broom, but then when I looked up, it was in Palmer Park in the house, and I looked up, and it was snowing outside. It was good outside at first, like summertime, and then this week I look up, snow everywhere everything covered in snow, and then Delano banging on the window with his knees, so open a well, open a window, you know, open up, or whatever, like, and I look I don't be hollering, I mean, you know, I'm just acting normal like I would have done when, you know, he was alive, he had no shirt on, he just had some jeans on, he had no shirt on, <laughs> and it was snow outside, I had a couple of dreams of the snow situation, and I'm trying to you know, I was trying to figure out what that was about. I got, I got a dream interpretator. I, I asked him about that next time I talked to him. He'd come on on Monday nights, on um Facebook or whatever on his little podcast. But yeah, I, I need, I would like to know what that, what that meant. But anyway, he didn't even look at me. This was the first dream that he had after he died. He didn't even look at me. He just went, walked straight to my father. Cause after I opened up the window for him, he came in. And uh, I was wondering why Snow was on the ground, but he had no shirt or he just had some jeans on. I'm thinking, like, was he ever in this situation sometime before or something like that? Or is this part this is, you know? But I ain't trying to figure it out. And he just went straight to my father started talking to him. And talking to him, my father said, Man, where you been, man? Where you been at all this time? And then I, I asked myself again, I was like, Is he asking him why he ain't been to heaven yet? Did he know Delano was going to die or something when he was saying, Where you been? And all this and that. So Delano was like, eh, I'm sorry, I had to go like that, man. I had to go, man. I had to go like that, man. I had to shake back. You know, I had to go. I had to shake back. And uh, all the time I was thinking when he's saying shake back, I'm thinking that he got into his son. I believe he's in his son. I do believe in reincarnation. They said that it can happen. Like, you go and do what you want. As long as you're good and God got you, you can go and do what you want. And I believe he reincarnated in his son. One time he was, uh, Lil' Laino was laying on my chest. And he just looked up at me. And he kind of jerked his head back a little bit, like trying to, and his eyes was flicking. Flex, like he was trying to Bring in my bring in to see me. You know how somebody look at you and like they can't see you, and they jerk their head back a little bit, like, and I, uh, I automatically got it in my spirit that it was Laino. I was like, Laino, leave this boy alone. You know how I look. You ain't got to be doing that. There's been a couple of times where uh, the, the baby has said some things to let me know that it was Laino. He he was still a baby. He wasn't even a year old and he patted me on my chest and he was like, mommy, 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 like he's reminding himself, you know, that yeah, the baby didn't know, he know, you know, babies, they know their mother, mother, you know, he didn't know it as grandma, but it was like Delano was identifying because the baby still calls me mommy to this day. He don't call me grandma. he call me Mommy. Lil' Lano called me Mommy. I wanna probably do just about an hour on here. <sighs> but I had to come, I, I had to come. Like I said, I don't get on my podcast often and I don't broadcast it on Twitter, Facebook and all that yet, I don't do that yet. don't know if I'm ready for that yet Cause right now you know whether they hear it or not I don't I'm just not, not I'm not worried about nobody hearing me or what I gotta say right now because what I'm doing right now is for me to help keep my sanity to help me deal with this fact that my son is gone to a drug-induced stroke and I want to, all my dreams are ever, all my dreams are always family, friends, food, fun, and fellowship. I'm trying to get God to place something on my heart that I can do that can serve all of this. And I, I, I'm, you know, even though I know nobody can't see me, I ain't ready to go on clubhouse. And, you know, I ain't ready to, you know, put my thing on. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and all, I'm not, I don't know, I'm just, maybe I'm afraid that might get something started, and I'm just afraid to deal with it, I ask God for the answer, and you know, He gonna answer me, and when He tell me to do it, then I'm gonna do it, and I do trust God, and I love the way God do things, He prepares you, mentally, spiritually, mostly, physically, and financially. He prepares you. And I'm not doing it for money. That's, you know, some people do these things because they want money. My father, Abba, Father, Daddy God, Lord, he know how much money I need. He know my purpose. And as much as I want to give up because my son is not here. He's not alone and my son don't want it either. <sighs> Sometimes I just, uh, cause I do stay by myself. I just, I do get sad and lonely. You know, I got to picture. up I look and I ask questions like, why you couldn't do that, Laino? Why you couldn't be strong enough to, you know, want to get your life together so you can raise your kids. You know, I always vision me smiling at him raising his kids. Cause he'd go through some of the things I went through with him. And his baby boy is just, his. both his kids are like him. But his baby boy, he, he just like Laino. You know how they are, they bad. But I switch it. I say, good. Good. And the thing about it, he was four months when his daddy died. But every time he see his daddy picture, he know who it is. His daddy did hold him. He did. He was there when he came out. He was there for him for, for four months. But every time he look at that picture and he see it, and he say, Dad, 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 So I just told my son, even though you're not here physically, don't ever make them kids feel like they're alone. Always let them know that you're there with them. You might not be, they might not be able to see you, but you make sure you stay with them and you protect them and keep them from any hurt, harm or danger. And that goes for their own brothers and their mother too, or any man that's around their mother Cousins, grandmother, grandfather, protect your children. If you have to do something to make something happen, to keep the protection, do it. Keep your children protected. Because I feel like he can do more now up there with God, mentally, spiritually, emotionally, physically, and financially for them now than he probably could or thought he could when he was here. And I believe he's doing that. Because I tell you, that boy was number four months old and every time he see that picture, his mother got a picture of daddy up in the house too, a big picture on the wall. And I know she makes sure that she's, you know, and I know she's going through it too because all the things she said, the name she called him and all that. And I know she's going through it. She said Delano was the glue. Her sticky. He made a difference in her life. They both had problems with drugs, but he made a difference to her life. And the baby girl just told me this weekend just passed that her mommy still cried too. Cause I had started crying thinking about something, watching a movie. I think he was watching Ghosts, and we was watching that part where, you know, he goes up into heaven. That light comes. And um, I started crying. I said, I just want my son back. She told me, your son? I said, yeah, your daddy, I just want my son back. And I started crying and she was like, don't cry, grandmommy, it's gonna be all right. She said, "This don't cry, grandmommy, it's gonna be all right. And it's just so easy for her to say that, but it's not that easy for me. I want my son back. I want us to finish getting to know each other. And I have to get this out because this is what helps me. I have to to cry every day. That's what I'm going to do. And that's what I do. But I learned that I'm going to get on here and talk it out more. And I'm not worried about it getting out on the social media and all that. If somebody hear this and it touches them, you know, reach out. I'm getting ready to explore the Spotify thing where I can get asked questions or I can ask questions and get answers and put ads in and all the has to offer because Anchor has been bought by Spotify now. So I'm going to take advantage of all of that. But I'm not really trying to throw my stuff out there just, you know, to try to get no recognition. This is therapy for me. And if it reaches somebody and it reaches back to me, then I'm going to receive it and I'm going to do something with it. But right now, I'm going to go and chase my goals and my dreams and make me sure that my kids, because I don't call them my grandchildren, they my kids. And I got six of them right now. And I, I want to make sure that before I die, they're going to be straight. They don't have to worry about money. They're going to have their own businesses. They're gonna be mentally, spiritually, emotionally, physically, and financially prepared. Even if it is in heaven, if we all die, the Lord let this world come to an end. They're gonna be prepared to be able to meet this world their own terms. If I gotta die trying myself, just like my father did, he didn't ever become the millionaire that he wanted to become to help his family but it sure did make an impact and some big old shoes for us to feel because my father did a lot after he got sober because he did stop. He stopped and he wanted something more with his life. And he stopped. After My mother got a divorce with me and we tried to get her back. She didn't want him back, but he stopped and got his life together. And when I say together, I mean together. He went back to school. He got his high school diploma. He went to do the college for the drug and alcohol Counsel counsel Addictions. He still was singing. He still was playing music. He wrote two books. And then he started hosting internet, radio, and TV. I mean, internet. Well, yeah, TV too because he was on cable and, and producing. He did all of that. So if he can do it, I can do it too. I just need the strength and the determination and ambition to do it, but I'm gonna do it my way, one day, one step, one way at a time. I'm gonna do it my way. I'm not gonna rush. I'm not gonna be seeking nobody's approval on social media if somebody hear this, they hear it if they don't, they don't. I'm doing this for me, and I'm gonna do my best. Because all things are possible. And I know that I can do anything through Christ who strengthens me. And that's that's not a saying. And I'm just not just saying that. Just to be saying it. It's just true. It can happen. So I'm going to do my best. It get hard sometimes. You get mentally thrown off. It's going to be a whole lot of no's. But I'm going to keep on. Side, side, up or down. Go through it. Go around. Go under it. Whatever it is, go for it. Don't stop. You don't know when you're leaving. You don't know when you're going to leave this earth. Just like Les Brown was saying today, if somebody told you you had three weeks, three months, three years to live, what would you do? Don't wait until then. Do it now. Start doing it now. Do it your own way. Don't don't rush. Don't try to do things like nobody else. Do it your way in your own time. I gotta take it step by step. When I start exercising, I ain't start off running and trying to do all that shit I seen everybody else doing. I start walking. Cause this is what I do. I weigh goddamn shit. (laughs) I gotta start walking not running and living each day.